0: It's a great song. I love that song. Uh, beautiful singing, uh, as always. So if not met you. I'm Aaron, and the preaching pastor here, and we're uh, delighted uh, delighted you're with us on this um, snowy, cold—I uh, guess still fall, right? Still technically fall day. So, uh, if you have a uh, Bible with you, if you want to open up to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter two. Our text to study today will be verses eight through twenty-one of Luke chapter two. And as you're turning there, uh, for those who are able to come Friday night, wasn't that awesome? The the family party, Janet, and I know a bunch of others helped out. That was such a great event. So I really appreciate everyone's hard work on that, and everyone was able to come. Uh, that, that was really, it was just wonderful. So that being said, let me read the text for us, and then I'll pray, ask for the Lord's blessing on this time, and then we'll work through it. So starting in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2, so the Bible says. So in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch of their flock by night. And the an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news, of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So that's God's word for us this morning. Let's pray. Lord, it's good to be here. And Lord, we're grateful to be around uh, Your Word. uh, Lord, I pray that you would bless the preaching of your word as we work through this uh, just incredible story of the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray you might use this time to stir our hearts for a greater affection and a greater joy in Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen. So today, as many of you know, uh, is a Sunday by which we take up our annual missions offering. Okay, so now as a church, we do budget for missions. In fact, hopefully that's actually one of the first things that we budget for as a church. Where even though we budget for missions, every year around this time, we take a special offering where 100% of undesignated money that comes in will go to uh, various places, whether it's uh, foreign missions or church planting work that's being done. So today what we'll do, 50% of the offering that comes in, will be going to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering which is a national offering where churches all over the country, really all over the world, take up uh, this offering for um, uh, around this time of year. And this mission's offering helps fund the International Mission Board, which is the largest fully funded mission board in the world. It supports a few thousand missionaries, uh, many of which are parts of the world with little to no access of the good news of Jesus Christ. And by the way, if you're not familiar with Lottie Moon, uh, and whose name this uh, offering is named after, I would actually encourage you to read up on her life. Uh, so YWAM has a, a book uh, series titled Christian Heroes, Then and Now, and they have one on Lottie Moon, and it's, it's excellent. Okay, So today, 50% will be going to the offering named in her honor. Then the remaining 50% will be split up three ways to three families who were part of Red Village Church in the early days and are now serving in different parts of the world. So one of the families is now in the Middle East, uh, serving a city that has uh, over a million people but less than 200 known Christians. Uh, another family is going to be serving in North Africa, which has uh, an even less uh, limited amount of Christians and an ever-increasing number of um, persecution among Christians. And then the other family we'll be giving to is a family uh, Robert Lindsay Smith, who are church planting in rural Tennessee. I think I mentioned this a couple weeks back, their church just celebrated their one-year anniversary on the very same weekend that we celebrated our our 12-year anniversary, where Grace Fellowship of Cohen, Tennessee signed a church covenant very similar to ours. So that's where our offering will be going today. Now, if you're wondering the reasons why we budget for missions, why we take up an annual missions offering, uh, why we have sent people out from our church to literally all over the world, why we hope and pray that God will continue to send people from our church to literally all over the world, is because of our text today and many other texts like it in the Scripture. It's a text that teaches us about missions, which is a teaching that we see in this text throughout the Scriptures, that for His glory, God has good news of great joy that is for all people, which is good news of great joy that in God's eternal plan, in accordance with His incredible kindness and mercy, He sent the Savior into the world to provide forgiveness of our sin. And so that through the Savior, not only could we be forgiven, but we were brought into a loving and eternal relationship with God himself. Okay. Now, before I work through our passage that is, I think, centered on missions, let me briefly uh, remind us where we left off last week, which is verses 1 through 7 of chapter 2. So in our text last week, we read, In the providential hand of God, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, which is a decree that required everyone to head back to their hometown to complete a census. And as this decree went out, it required a young couple who were betrothed to be married, uh, Virgin Mary and Joseph, to go up from Nazareth to Joseph's hometown of Bethlehem, which was the home of the great King David who ruled over Israel a thousand or so years prior. And as you remember from our text last week and from the story of Christmas, as Virgin Mary and Joseph made their way to Bethlehem, Mary was with child, a child miraculously conceived within her by the Holy Spirit of God, which fulfilled the promise of God uh, that he gave to the prophet Isaiah, of a virgin giving birth. So you also remember from last week, from the story of Christmas, the child that was conceived within Virgin Mary was no ordinary child. Rather, this child inside of Virgin Mary was the long-awaited promised one of God, the Christ, the Messiah, the one God promised to send into the world to save the world from their sin and the judgment of it. And as you remember from last week, as Mary and Joseph made their way to Bethlehem, Mary went into labor to give birth to this promised child but because the house that they were staying in was so full of people who were in town for the census Mary and Joseph sought to find some privacy to deliver this Christ child and the only place they could find was among the animals so in our text last week from the beginning of Luke 2 Mary gave birth to the promised Messiah among animals and as she gave birth to the Christmas child she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger which is about a humble of a beginning that you could have for the long-awaited Savior of the world. So now where we start today in our story, the humble place where we left off last week is about to be met with an over-the-top celebration as literally all heaven broke loose as this Christmas child was born. Okay, so all that being said, look back with me at the text starting in verse 8. So in the text we see that in the same region, the general area of Bethlehem, that there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch by uh, over their flock by night. Now, shepherds was a profession historically has not actually been viewed by much society as a prestigious uh, profession. And this is even true in this culture, in this time period. This is true even though much of the Old Testament is made up of shepherds. So Abraham and his family were shepherds, Moses was a shepherd, Amos was a shepherd, even King David was a shepherd. So even though there's a lot of famous Old Testament shepherds, shepherds were not uh, highly viewed upon In many ways, they almost looked like a second-class citizen. So in our text, there's a group of these shepherds doing what shepherds normally do, which was living among their sheep, watching over them at night. And the night watch was there to ensure that no nighttime predators would attack their flock. Verse 9, as the shepherds were doing their thing, miraculously, we read that an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And as the angel of the Lord appeared to them, he didn't come like quiet, he didn't come in a subtle way, not to like bring disturbance of the nice quiet night they're enjoying. Rather, the angel of the Lord appeared. He did so with the glory of the Lord shining around them. As mentioned, a huge heavenly celebration is starting to break loose. And here, don't think like the angel of the Lord is some type of like little precious moment cartoonish angel. Like angels in scriptures, like they're massive beings putting off brilliant light. So there's the glory of the Lord shown through this angel. This would have been an awesome, terrifying sight. To see, So in the text. As the shepherds saw the massive angel, as the awesome light filled up the night sky, the shepherds responded. Really, the only response that we could give. We see the hearts were gripped with great fear. Which for us, I mean, can you imagine this scene for these shepherds here? For them, this is just like a normal night. They're doing their normal work, and then out of nowhere, this incredible heavenly celebration break loose. And as the shepherds are gripped by the great fear or by great awe, if it was me, like, I would have been speechless. Right? I would have been looking for like sheep to hide behind. And as that is happening, we see that the angel of the Lord then approaches them to speak directly to the shepherds, which can you imagine what that must have been like? And as the angel spoke to them, he told the shepherds, Hey, fear not. Shepherds, you do not have to be gripped by fear. Shepherds, I'm not here to stand in opposition to you which in times in the Old Testament, angels actually would do. Rather, shepherds, lowly shepherds, I am here, I'm coming to you with beautiful feet. I'm coming to bring you good news of great joy. And this good news of great joy that I am giving to you is news for all people, all kinds of people, that fill all corners of the earth. And this shepherds and shepherds, this good news of great joy is this. For unto you this day, is born in the nearby city of David. The Savior, the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord, he has come. Shepherd, this message of good news, of great joy, is not just a message simply for you to hear, but this is a message that I want you to personally, intimately know. So in verse 12, I'm giving you a sign, a sign so you can personally, intimately know who this Christ child is. So what I want you to do, I want you to go into Bethlehem and you'll find this Christ child wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Go back to what I said last week with swaddling clothes. Because swaddling clothes was part of the sign that shepherds were to look for. This is why some think that swaddling clothes is not just like a normal practice by which babies were wrapped in. If it's a normal practice. It would not have been much of a sign. So some think there is maybe something unique, eye-catching when it came to the swaddling clothes. Now, if you weren't here last week, I'll just refer you to our website. You can listen to last week's sermon. You give a few different options that people believe uh, concerning the significance of swaddling clothes. Okay, but for us, let's keep going this morning. As this message of good news, of great joy for all people, was told to the shepherds, we see in verse 13 that even more of heaven broke loose. And we see in the text that suddenly there wasn't just one angel that appeared, but there's a whole multitude of angels, of heavenly hosts that filled the night sky and we talked about this a bit in our small group this week, what that must have looked like. Especially for the kids who are here in the sanctuary. Can you imagine what that must have been like? A whole sky filled with massive, powerful angels. All were there to worship Jesus Christ. our text, is the sky was filled with angels worshiping, we see that they sang out a great chorus, praises to God, singing glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. Verse 15: As the great heavenly concert reaches final, Amen. We see the angels left the night sky; they went back to the heavenly realm, and the angels left the shepherds, and the shepherds then begin to process what they have just seen, what they have just heard. And as they are processing, they're faced with a decision: like, what were they going to do now with this information? Specifically, the information given to them by Revelation concerning the Christ Child. Who is wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger in nearby Bethlehem? In our text, we see they conclude with a rousing "Yes, yes, let's go! Let's seek out the sign given to us by the angels." So in our text, they said to Lord, "Let's go and make our way to Bethlehem and see these things that have just happened, which the Lord revealed to us." So, verse sixteen. So, with haste. The shepherds left their fields, perhaps even leaving their sheep, potentially leaving all they had behind, to with haste go and pursue the Christ in order to meet him in real, intimate, personal ways. And by the way, notice, as they came to the conclusion to go and seek out the Christ child in their text, right, they went with haste right away, with urgency, with excitement, willing to leave all things in order to have Christ. Right? Notice like, they weren't like pulling out like first-century calendars you know, trying to find a convenient time to make the trip over to Bethlehem. You know, there is no among the shepherds. Hey, you know, let's see. Uh, I think I have a window open tomorrow around three o'clock. Does that work for you? You know, maybe we can ride together on the same donkey to town and go see the baby. Well, no, actually tomorrow really is not good for me. I probably could do it, but you know, I'm actually hoping to take one of my sheep in to get his hooves looked at. And so, how about like two days from now? Would that work for you? Yeah, you know, that's not going to work for me. I have a social night planned. It's so hard to coordinate plans. The sheep have been driving me crazy the last few weeks. I could really use some me time, fun night with my buddies. And so what I need right now is just to spend time with them. Well, Christ child will come later. How about this? Everyone's so busy right now. Once we get a few more things crossed off our list, once life slows down a little bit, then let's go see the Christmas child. Let's just try to get it maybe in the next week or so. And don't get me wrong, yeah, yeah, we definitely want to see the Christ child. Yeah, he's totally important to get to. But you know, life's just a little crazy right now, and the Lord's gracious. I'm sure He'll understand. It kind of feels legalistic to actually go right away, doesn't it? So let's just get there when we get there. Let's get there when it fits. Let's get there when it's convenient. Let's get there where we don't have to make any real sacrifices. All right. So again, that's that's not what happened. The hearts of the of the shepherds—they were gripped in ways so with haste, like they went right away. I mean, think about after all, how could they not seek out this Christ child? How could they not drop everything to go to him? How could they not reorientate everything in their life to make him the priority, the worship of him? By the way, that is the hope that we have as a church family, to have haste and excitement to worship our God, particularly when it comes to the corporate worship of our God on Sunday mornings. Our hope is that as a church family, we're reorienting our lives to make sure, like corporate worship of God, the joyful priority of our life. Trusting somehow, uniquely, God's presence is actually here, in real, intimate, personal ways. like the text. As the shepherds went with haste, as they went with a heart longing to worship the Christ child, we read that they found that what they were seeking for. The Old Testament prophet, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. As they found that which they're looking for, they found a young couple, Mary and Joseph. And they found a newly born Christ child lying in a manger. Just as the angel revealed to them that they would find where they would find him. And just take note of that. This is where we seek and find Christ. And we seek him for a whole heart by that which has been revealed to us in the scripture. Verse 17, as the shepherds found the Christ child, right, they're, they're over the top excited. Right? They found that which they're looking for. The message of good news and great joy became very real, very personal, very intimate to them. And as the good news of great joy filled their hearts, it put like fire into their bones, a fire that now compelled them to go on mission, a mission to testify to others that which was made known to them concerning the Christ child We'll get to more than this in just a bit. But this is actually one of the great indicators wherein our hearts are stoked for the Lord. Is that we have this fire in our bones that we can't help but testify to the Lord. Verse 18. As the shepherds went on mission to testify to the truth of the Christ of the Christ child, all who heard the testimony of good news of great joy were amazed with wonder. Kind of seems like the, Christ, the message of Christ was like starting to land on their hearts. So our text was started this heavenly celebration that gripped the shepherds. was now spreading, almost like a, a small-scale, like local revival is taking place. And as all of these incredible things were happening, in verse 19, we see that young Mother Mary was on the scene, and she's, she's taking it all in. She, she's not w- wanting to miss a single thing. So she's like treasuring up everything that was happening. And she's pondering them in her heart with wonder, thankfulness, Gratitude towards the Lord. And for Mary, all that was happening concerning the Christ child, Christmas, the Savior coming, the fulfillment of God's promises, these are, these are treasures for her. Treasures that she wanted to hold on to and remember, treasures that she didn't want to like have slip past her in, uh, in her memory. Right? She wanted to tuck these precious treasures deep inside. Which, by the way, is such a great model for us as well. You know, especially in the world we live in, right, we all have this endless to-do list. We're always on the run. We're always feeling stretched. We're always feeling busy. We're always going from, like, one thing to the next to the next, probably especially so in this time of year. Then to make things even worse, within the in a world, th- uh, world of things like social media, endless number of blogs and podcasts that only add to the feelings of just being stretched, which is why we live with so much anxiety To the point that we're just always like angry and cynical at everything in life, no joy, no peace, no real happiness. Rather become like shells that are just hollow on the inside. Friends, it it would do us good to follow the example of Mary here in this text. And spend our time like trying to create like margin in our life to intentionally ponder the things of God, to, to meditate upon them, specifically as it relates to Christ and the evidence of grace that He has in our life. So we might become like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in season. So we have leaves that do not wither. In this Christmas season, upcoming New Year's, if you're looking to make some healthy changes to your life, this would be a good one for all of us to implement. To make whatever changes, whatever adjustments needed, to create more margin, to, to ponder the things of God. To ponder and meditate upon His Word. To meditate upon the Christ. Making these changes by seeing and understanding that things of God, these are precious treasures. Like these are things worth leaving all other things behind in order to have. Friends, let's not settle for a compromised life of making ourselves unnecessarily busy. We're always adding more and more and more to our to-do list. Or by filling our hearts with more and more things that just don't matter, don't help us. But let's cut off these things for the sake of treasuring and pondering Christ. Seeking him and the joy that only he can give us. Verse twenty. After the shepherds met the Christ, after they testified to the revelation of God to those who were in the area, we see eventually that they make their way back home. Right, they loaded up their donkey, they head home, but as simply as quickly as possible, like you know, they didn't like go back to their to-do list. Rather, we see as the shepherds left, the hearts were still gripped by these things of God. So we see they return, glorifying God, praising God, praising from all that they've heard, all that they've seen, all that has been revealed to them. And finally, our text this morning ends, verse 21. We see, in keeping with the Old Testament custom, that after eight days, Mary and Joseph took their son to be circumcised, in accordance with what was given to them by the angel when Mary was still a child, Read that Mary and Joseph named their firstborn son, Jesus. Which in Hebrew would have been Yahshua, or in English, Joshua. Which is the name that is above every name. So it's the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. And Friends, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. Because as Jesus Christ came for us on Christmas, he came to be the one who alone can fill what his name means, which is the Lord is salvation. Friends, that's why we have such good news of great joy is for all people, that through Jesus the Christ, God saves. And God saves all who he calls to himself. He saves all kinds of people, all kinds of sinners, which we're going to talk about more in just a second. But now for the remainder of our time. I do want to give you just a few organized thoughts from this text. Specifically organized thoughts as relate to missions. which, just say it again. I do think it's at the center of this passage. So, first, this text, as we think through this text, this incredible scene, we're reminded that God is a God of missions. Right? That's God's heart, a heart for missions. And we see that from the very beginning, that from all eternity past, God had a desire, a mission to put his glory on display. But that's why he created the heavens and the earth, to testify to his glory. In Genesis, as God created the heavens and the earth, we see that one of the great ways that God desired to fill his missional desire was by creating mankind in his image, who he in turn then put on a mission to join him in his mission so they were to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth with the image of God. As you remember, it was something we talked about last week. Mankind, right, we broke from our mission. We sinned, rebelled against God. We desired to live for our own glory, not his. And because of that, like we're under the judgment of God when left to ourselves. However, we also talked about last week, Genesis 3, even though ma- mankind broke ranks from the mission God gave us, in accordance with God's eternal plan, he stayed on mission. And how God stayed on mission was by making a good news of great joy promise to mankind that one day he would send one to come to mankind to redeem them, to forgive mankind of their sin, which is what he did by sending Jesus Christ, who came for us on the first Christmas morn. And as Christ came, he came on mission. He came to be our Redeemer. And he fulfilled his mission, not simply by being born. Rather, Jesus accomplished and fulfilled his mission by dying for his people which he did on the cross to take on the judgment of our sin, only to rise again on the third day. And as he rose again from the third day, he proved that his mission was accomplished, that indeed Jesus is the Redeemer, that indeed God does save his people who he loves. Because, friends, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, God pours out his love on his people so that his people could be justified before him. So they could have the righteousness of Christ counted as their righteousness. So that through the blood that Jesus shed, we can have peace with God. So that for all eternity, the redeemed people of God could testify to the glorious riches and grace of God's mercy and kindness. So we could be redeemed to go back on mission and testify to our glorious God. Friends, this Christmas season, in fact, every season, right? This is such good news of great joy for us. That God is a God who is on mission. And in his great mission, through his great love, he would send the Christ for us and for our salvation. Friends, please read the scripture and see that from the very beginning, God is a God of mission. So you get a mission by which he came for us. A mission that Scripture is clear, a mission that he will complete. A mission that even hell itself will not stand against. God and his glory will extend to all the ends of the earth as he saves the people to himself. That's the story of Christmas. I'll say it again God coming to mankind to fulfill his mission. That's why the angels sang out the chorus in verse 14 Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace with those with whom he is pleased. Second, worship is at the heart of missions. Right, this is why this text is such a great text. We see it bring worship and missions together. All right, The angels, they came out of a heart of worship with the mission to testify to good news of great joy. The shepherds, upon hearing the message of Christ in an act of worship with haste, left all things behind in order to seek the Christ. And as they're seeking the Christ, to worship the Christ, they were on mission testifying to all those around them what has been revealed to them concerning the message of good news and great joy. Friends of worship and missions, like they're two sides of the same coin. To do one is to do the other, which is why we can't have one without the other. So, so one of my favorite books on missions is this um, book titled Let the Nations Be Glad, written by John Piper. So, if you permit, let me just read a little bit longer section. It actually starts out this book. So, so Piper wrote this: says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church? Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It's a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever." Worship, therefore, is the fuel and the goal of missions. It's the goal of missions because in missions we're simply aiming to bring the nations into the white hot enjoyment of God's glory. The goal of missions is the gladness of the people and the greatness of God. Let the uh, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, let the many close lands be glad, let the people sing praises to thee, O God. Let all the peoples praise thee. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. But worship is also the fuel of missions. Passions for God and worship precedes the offer of God and preaching. Pepper wrote, You can't command that which you do not cherish. Missionaries will never call out, let the nations be glad, who cannot say from their heart, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be glad and exalt in thee. I will sing praises to thy name, O Most High. Missions begins and ends and worship. Third, missions is for all kinds of people. All kinds of people who fill all corners of the earth. Once again in the text, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now for a moment, let me just share a little survey of all the kinds of people we see in Luke's gospel. This Message of good news, a great joy that landed in hearts in Luke's gospel. So to start, this letter is written by Luke to a man named uh, that referred to as most excellent Theophilus, who seemed to be some type of Roman dignitary. Right? This message of good news, a great joy, was for him. This message of good news, a great joy we see in Luke's gospel was for Zechariah uh, and Elizabeth, who were advanced in age and without child. This message was for Virgin Mary and for Joseph. And let's not underestimate the cultural shame that they would have had to endure for Mary to be with child before they were married. Yet the message was for her and for him. In her text, this message of good news, of great joy. This was for lowly shepherds who were near the bottom of the social ladder. In her text next Sunday, this message of good news, of great joy was for an old man named Simeon who waited for years for God's promise to be realized in his life. In our text next Sunday, this message, of good news, a great joy, is for an older woman named Anna, who was a widow for a very long time. The message of good news, a great joy we see in Luke was for John the Baptist, even though Scripture tells us he was the greatest born of a woman. Like, he still needed this message. In Luke, the message of good news, a great joy, was for a man possessed by demons. This message was for a bunch of young fishermen. Who, like the shepherds, are not super high on the social ladder. Yet these young fishermen actually made up much of Jesus' first disciples. In Luke's gospel, the message of good news, of great joy, is for a leper who would have been a social outcast, who many in society would have avoided. In fact, in Luke's gospel, we read that this message of good news, of great joy, was for many who had some real physical ailments, some of which were so severe they were unable to do anything for themselves. In Luke's gospel, the message of good news of great joy was for a tax collector who culturally would have been despised by many. This message was for a powerful centurion who came to Jesus to live under his authority. This message of good news of great joy is for a broken widow who lost her son. This message of good news of great joy is for a woman who is known for sexual sins. This message of good news of great joy is for a group of women. Once again, culture would be viewed as insignificant by many. In fact, in Luke, we see many women responding to the message. The message of good news, of great joy, was for a daughter of a powerful regional ruler. It was for a large group who had nothing to eat, so they repented upon our Lord to feed them with a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. This message of good news, of great joy, in Luke's gospel is for tax collectors and for sinners. In fact, despised tax collectors and sinners, those are the ones that Jesus seemed to spend much of his earthly ministry with. The message of good news, of great joy, was for a prodigal son who previously walked away from it all for hard, sinful living. Luke's Gospel tells us the message of good news, of great joy, is for any and all who humble themselves before God, including all here today. The message of good news, of great joy, found in Jesus Christ is for little children who Jesus called to himself. By the way, including the children here today, the message of Jesus is for you. The message of Jesus, good news and great joy, is for a blind beggar, for a rich chief tax collector. is for a very poor widow who only had the smallest of offering to give, which, by the way, proved to be the largest offering in the sight of God. The message of good news, a great joy, was even for a dirty criminal who is justly crucified next to our Lord. The message was for a rich man who provided a tomb for the body of our Lord Jesus to be laid after he died. And in Luke, this message of great. Of good news, a great joy for all people was for two men. Who were blind to the resurrection Christ, confused about the scripture. That is, until Christ came to them on mission in a very real, intimate, personal way where Jesus graciously opened up the scriptures and revealed himself to them. Friends, all the kinds of people I just mentioned to you, that's just what we see in Luke's gospel. Throughout the scriptures, the message of good news of great joy is for rich, poor, young, old, well thought of, by society, despised by society, for wealth put together, also for those who are broken and hopeless. It's for those who are known for righteous acts, of righteous acts, but also those known for great sin. This message is both for Jew and for Gentile alike. Good news of great joy for all kinds of people. i said so again, including all here today. Today, if by faith you turn to Jesus, believe that He died for you, only to rise again from the dead. If today, if you call upon His name and receive His love, friend, you said you would know Jesus in a real, intimate, personal way. One more. Fourth, missions is for all kinds of people. Which is actually the same thing I just said to you in point three. But this, I'm not referring to those on the receiving end of message. Which I just gave to you. But this time I'm referring to on the declaring end of the message. Any and all who have faith in Christ Jesus, listen, you have been given a mission. A mission to testify to the message of good news and great joy. And for us, this always starts with those around us that God has already planted in our lives. That's the example we see in the shepherds in this text. As they met the Christ, they shared the message that was revealed to them, starting with those already around them. This example we see of the shepherds is actually example we see throughout Luke's Gospel. I mean, even Luke himself, he wrote this letter to someone that he clearly knew. And he was testifying to Theophilus, an orally account concerning Jesus Christ. All the different people that I mentioned in the previous point who received the message of good news of great joy, we see in Luke often Now, turn and go on mission, delivering that same message, starting with those around them. Friends, this is our mission. This is all of our mission. A mission to declare the message of good news, of great joy. And as we declare it, we start with those God has already placed in our life. Family, friends, neighbors. Co-workers, and if I give you an encouragement here, if God can use lowly, uneducated shepherds as the first people that He sent out on mission that Christmas morn, friends, He can use us as well. So, for me, if I can be a little bold with with us here, listen: we have no excuse to deviate from our mission. Not even the excuse of fear. Rather, we are to fear not. And boldly, intentionally go. Go with a heart overflowing with worship of Jesus Christ. We go as heralds of good news, of great joy. So again, we start with our beloved Madison. Start here. But then we extend out from here. As a church, we keep going with this mission until we reach the very ends of the earth itself. By the way, this morning, who knows? For some of you here, perhaps during a future missions offering that we take up as a church family, perhaps we actually might be doing so for you because we have sent you out to the mission field. Wouldn't that be incredible? Church, may the God of mission who came to us through the Lord Jesus Christ, may he use us to go on mission to the world around us, a world that is desperately needing to hear good news, great joy, the message that Jesus saves. Let's pray. We're so thankful that Jesus saves. Lord, if not for your incredible kindness and mercy to us, we would have no hope. We would rightfully, justly stand underneath your judgment. Yet, in your incredible kindness, for your incredible glory, You sent your son, born of a virgin, to be our great redeemer. Lord, please help us to treasure and to ponder this truth. And Lord, I do pray that you would stoke our hearts for worship. And Lord, I do pray that you would also use us in ways to extend the message of good news and great joy to our beloved city of Madison and to the ends of the earth. Lord, I pray that you might raise up more from our church family to be sent out to the mission field. And Lord, I pray that through the labors, of our little church family, that you bear much fruit, that you bring many to faith in Christ, that you bring all kinds of people to faith in Jesus. So in his name we pray. Amen.